0: questions. We all have them in relation to our photography business, whether we are just starting or we have an established business and we are trying to grow. Either way, we're going to have questions. So I want to dedicate this episode today to the questions that I get asked about the most as a photography educator, and we're going to cover so many different things today. So if you are somebody who has questions about posing, social media, locations, editing, and so many other things, then this episode is for you. Welcome to the Fill Your Frame podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Golding. I was a young mama and full-time teacher when I first picked up my camera and started down the path of creating a highly successful and sought after photography business. I managed to turn that side hustle into a full-time job that sustains a balanced life where I can give more to my five littles at home. After building this business for the last 10 years, I want to invite you into a space where you can take a peek behind the scenes of my camera ready life. Join in weekly where I will open up discussions with other creative artists turned business pros as we share real life strategies, stories, and action steps for you to turn your passion into profits. Lean in because we're about to get the show started. Remember, you can subscribe to today's show on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Audible. I'm so excited to bring you today's episode where we are going to answer all of the questions that we get asked the most from other photographers and people like you. And I'm going to do this with my special guest, Jordan Brennan. Jordan is a photographer that focused on photographing models and bloggers in Los Angeles for 10 years, but now you can find her in South Florida's crystal clear water capturing a mama and her babies at sunset. Her passion is photographing your family in paradise, which we know is Florida. She also has her own studio, and she teaches other photographers how to get things going in their business and is really passionate about helping them see their value. Jordan is an only child. Her mom was her best friend, and she lost her in 2018. Her passion of mama's being in front of the lens was born through the pain she felt from not having many photographs of her and her mother. Her love is motherhood. Maternity, birth, newborn, and just mamas holding their babies is what really makes Jordan's heart sing. Showing a woman how beautiful and strong they are, that's the ultimate for her. I'm so excited because Jordan is pregnant with her first baby, and she's going to be experiencing a whole other side of motherhood very, very soon, and we cannot wait for her. Let's welcome Jordan to the show. Hi, Jordan. How are you? Hi. I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for our discussion today. It's going to be so, so fun to just chat about a wide variety of things within the photography industry. And I'm so happy to see you and congratulations again on your pregnancy. This is so exciting. Thank you. I felt so horrible when you had asked
1: me, I mean, you asked me so long ago, I was going to be like your first guest. Like it would have been such an honor. And I was honestly so sick. There was no way you would have wanted to talk to me. I had a rough go. It was bad. No, <laughs> so I am happy to finally be
0: here in my second trimester where I can uh, feel like myself. <laughs> Good. I'm so happy. Those, that first part is the hardest and you just don't feel like you. So I'm glad that you're able to be here and feeling good so yay let's just first chat about why do you feel as photographers that it's important for us to have kind of a specialty or a genre because oftentimes we hear about people saying I just will shoot everything and I know I did that when I first started right but as I've progressed I've honed in a little bit so can you share why you think that's important for um, photographers to do Yes, it's so important. And you know what? I do think that it is actually
1: okay to say yes to everything in the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. That's how I got better. I learned so much from doing boudoir and weddings and event photography, branding, but none of that spoke to my heart. So in the beginning, it was amazing because A, I wanted the money. I needed this business to like be profitable. <laughs> so I wanted to say yes, because I wanted the money. Right. And also like, you have to figure, out what you think you're going to do. In the very beginning, I thought I love weddings. I love brides. I want to be a wedding photographer. And then I did a lot of events and weddings and made a pivot. And I think it's important to say yes to everything in the beginning. So you can really find out where your heart is. And my heart was with motherhood. That is just where I was the most excited shooting. I was the most excited editing. So I think that as we progress in our artistry, we find ourselves and find what our specialty is. It's really important for us as artists to know our heart. And it's also important because it reflects to our clients. Your clients can tell when you hate shooting newborn photography. <laughs> like they're like, oh God, she's miserable. <laughs> so I think it's like good for price points because because you can hone in on your specialty and charge that more boutique pricing. Right. You can get a really good deal. If you go to Walmart, you can buy a little bit of everything. Right. But that's yeah. not my goal. My goal is to really shoot what makes my heart feel good and to be able to be profitable as well. So it's good for business. And I think it's good for our heart.
0: Well, and I think, I love everything you said and I think it's so true because I can think back to when I was starting and really trying to figure out and for me, it's families, right? And so I know the way that I was able to tell what really lit me up was I would go to a family shoot and I would have that like, high excitement feeling we get, right? When we're shooting something we love, it's that everything's inspiring. We're inspired. We are are creative. We're just feeling the 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 flow and we're just going with it. Right. And then you leave and you're just like, you are lit up for hours after. Right. And then there were other things I did where I did not feel that. And I dreaded it. And that to me was an aha moment of like, okay, this is what I love. And what I noticed once I really decided to hone in on the thing I love the most, my work improved because yes. I was so inspired. Did you feel that too with you with motherhood?
1: Absolutely, it shines through. I've, I lived in Los Angeles for 10 years and I worked with a lot of bloggers and that just was such good money. Weekly shooting their Instagram content, their blog content. Yeah. It was so, um just a very stable, I guess I should, this is the word I'm looking for. It was very stable income, but I dreaded it. Like shooting a blogger, holding a toothpaste, (laughs) <laughs> tube in her bathroom like i don't care how much money you pay me like that does not fill up my cup right and, <laughs> and i like, know well, for some people but it's just not yes, our jam. not yeah. for me yes Branding yeah. did not make my heart sing so i would be shooting these bloggers and being like god like i i would drive to a session thinking i hate this yeah. and i think it's so important that you get burnout in this industry. If you are going to a session and you're dreading it, that's when you know, this is a client I should have said no to and make that room and that time in your schedule to take on projects that you love, take on clients that get you so excited. Like, yes, my heart beats when I'm photographing a mother and her baby. I I think it comes from losing my mom. My mom was my best friend. I was an only child. And I think that that I I don't have a lot of pictures of me and my mom together. Mm -hmm. And I just get so excited shooting motherhood because I'm like, I'm giving this child these photos to look back on. I think most people shoot for moms. I actually shoot for the child because that's something it's all I'm left with now. I lost my mom in 2018, very unexpectedly. Then I lost my dad in 2020. And I just have such regret not taking more photos with my parents. And so that's where my heart just bleeds motherhood and parenthood,
0: really. Yeah. I literally have the chills right now. Thank you for sharing that. That's something so personal to you. And, and I think that when you have some experiences like you've had, right, like that defines your why that defines your purpose. And I think because you're able to have, like you have those experiences and turn them into something to use it for good, right. To share your talent with others is so, so powerful. And I love too, for you that motherhood is like, you love to document that. And that's been your experience thus far, but You're going to have a baby and your viewpoint of motherhood and your relatability and all of that is going to shift. How do you feel about that? Oh, no, I got the chills.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited for this because I've always looked at my work and my workflow is really through the eyes of this child, this Mm. heartbroken child, this daughter who misses her mother every day. And now this is going to be so interesting. You know, I shoot birth, I shoot newborn, I shoot maternity, but I've never personally been in front of the camera for any of these experiences. So this is going to just broaden my horizon horizons to actually be in front of the camera and have my birth photographed, have my newborn baby photographed. It's going to just bring something so new to me because it's going to open my eyes. I'm going to see something so different from a mama's perspective. And oh, I'm I'm so excited for that. I can't even tell you.
0: Yeah, I bet. And I think it's really, I think you're going to see a difference in your work as well, because you're going to have the relatability to these mothers now. And you're going to also be seeing it not only from the child's perspective, but also the mother's perspective of, you know, wanting to give your own child those images and be in front of the camera more because you will want to have that for your posterity. And I just think that's so powerful.
1: This poor Um, baby, this poor baby boy of mine, he is going to be in front of the camera
0: so much. I just, Bless them. <laughs> I love it. It's so important though. And this is another testament to why we both, I know, tell people as mothers get in the frame. Like I will say that till I am blue in the face. You're never going to feel skinny enough. You're never going to feel perfect. You're never going to feel this, but guess what? Your children will not care. Yes. That will not be even be a thought in their mind when they look back on these images of you with them when they're older or even now. Kids do not care. We are our own critics, no one else. Right. So get in the frame. You'll never regret it. I mean, I know you have powerful feelings about that too.
1: Absolutely. Mothers in front of the frame is my number one because my mom never, ever got in front of that camera. She was so self-conscious about the way she looks. My mom was a smoker for 40 years. That's what ended up taking her life is COPD and, and pneumonia. And mm-hmm. my mom always felt that she was too wrinkled. I've heard my whole life, oh, ooh, ooh, get away from me with that camera. I'm too wrinkly. I'm too wrinkly. Like mm-hmm. my mom was so insecure about her wrinkles and she was very thin, not 95 pounds. So she really felt that she was too skinny, too old, and never wanted to be in front of the camera with me because of her own insecurity. And that kills me now because my God, like I ever would care if my mom was underweight or had too many wrinkles. I mean, oh. she always, always did these like setups with me. Like there's photos of me, you know, the Sears or the JC Penny picture yeah me with a easter egg basket or something and it's like I'm happy to see what I looked like as a kid, but man, what I would pay to have a photo of my mom playing with my hair, rocking me back and forth, these little prompts that I give moms to feel her love. My mom loved me so much. I mean, I'll never forget her funeral, the, the sentence everyone kept repeating to me, people who were in her life from young to old said, you were your mother's world. And I know that, but I don't have one photograph to show me.
0: That even though I know it, I wish I had a photograph to show me. Isn't that amazing? And that's what I love about photography. Thank you for sharing that. You just wish you had one, one. It could even, it doesn't even matter to you what it looked like or anything, right? And so that tells us the power that our photography has to change lives into better people's lives. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. And I, I love everything you said. And I just, to wrap up this question, I feel like as people are honing in on their craft and they're really, I mean, we just listened to you talk about your why for several minutes, right? And why you're so passionate about that. And I know some people might listen and say, well, I don't have those stories. I don't have this, but I think we, as we explore more and we do more self-discovery, people will realize they do have stories. We just often aren't able to like recognize them, right? People think also
1: that, Only emotive or pain can be seen as an artistry, right? Like, Mm -hmm. people tell me, like, you have this pain inside of you, and I feel bad, but I don't have a pain. I haven't lost my parents. I've never experienced this pain you have. So, how can I be this emotive artist if I've really never had pain? I've told students this. Then capture joy. Some of my yes. favorite photographers, you can tell they they've never experienced pain. Their images are so joyful. Everybody is smiling, laughing, throwing babies up in the air. Mm-hmm. And that is so beautiful too. Like, not everybody has to capture the pain of a mother. Some people can capture the joy of of family. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're cheesy or not an artist because you capture joy. There are people who capture joy. In in the most beautiful ways. Yeah, I'm right. just drawn to capturing something a little more softer and a little more right. emotive.
0: Well and I think that that's a also a testament of why there's space for all of us in this industry. Each of us comes with our own story, our own perspective, and someone who really wants super joyful photographs is going to more resonate with that other photographer, where if they're wanting more emotive things, they find you, right? And so that's what I always tell people is be true to who you are and the right people are going to find you, right? We don't all have to capture things the same because that's what we see on Instagram, right? Like Capture it from your perspective that only you can offer, and that's where the magic's going to be, right? Absolutely. So, okay, so not that I don't want to continue, I could talk about that for hours with you. (laughs) You gotta stop me, you know, I'll keep going. (laughs) Let's shift and talk about pricing because that kind of essentially connects to what we just talked about. Like, once people are able to hone in, what are your thoughts about how like photographers should price themselves? Like, just share maybe what you did in the beginning and your how you've progressed in that arena, yes. Pricing is something I'm very passionate
1: about. I love helping photographers with their business. People book me to do Zooms and one-on-one mentorships because they want to learn how I edit and how I pose. And Unfortunately, maybe they wanted it or not, but I find myself really doing deep, deep, deep dives into web reviews and portfolio critiques because I am so passionate about photographers making money, like learn to edit all you want, but we have to talk about, are you profitable? What is your cost of doing business? And my number one pet peeve is people allow their zip code to hold them back. I lived in Beverly Hills, the most expensive zip code 90210, people would not pay me over $200. It was so overly saturated and it wasn't valued there. Small Mm -hmm. towns is where it's valued. Look at the most famous photographers all over the world. They are from the middle of nowhere. Like you cannot let your zip code hold you back. Beverly Hills, I charged 250 for a one hour session. I'm in Boynton Beach, Florida. Very few people have ever heard of Boynton Beach, Florida. It is a (laughs) tiny little surfer beach. Town, and I'm charging 950. So right. I think that it's the zip code talk has got to go away. Being in a big city does not mean you charge a lot. Being in a small town does not mean you charge little. It's what people will pay, and
0: your your cost of doing business. Well, yes, and I think so often people come into photography as creatives and stuff, and the business side is something that we have to learn. Right, you have to actively start to understand business because whether you enjoy it or not, it's important, right? Like yes. for me, I, it wasn't something that came super natural. So I had to just do, just do the work and make sure that I'm keeping track of numbers. I'm pricing myself correctly. I'm, you know, all yep. of those things. And I think oftentimes whenever I do any coaching or teaching in my course, like I'm all, it never fails. Probably 90 Five percent of them are not charging enough. Do you find that too?
1: Absolutely. Every single person I teach is underpriced. I don't think I've ever met with one person that I said, you should lower your prices. Every single person I've said, you've got to raise and, and, and be fearless in your raising because the higher you charge, it's not about ripping someone off. I hear this a lot. I don't want people to feel like they can't afford photography. I want everyone to be able to afford photography and everybody can, everybody can have a budget and find a photographer in their budget. But when you are investing thousands into top cameras, top gear, top education, Mm -hmm. I have a student who's taken like seven one-on-one mentorships this year with different photographers. And I'm like, Look at how much that costs you. Every single time you invest in yourself, you have to raise your prices and be able to find people who value your work. I have people tell me, oh, how do you get these clients who will invest into their outfits and see see photography as art? And I said, because I, ch- I charge for that. You don't spend $950 on a family session and then show up in outfits you found the night before. You're going to take this serious now. This is not about a quick mini session for a, a Facebook post. This is people booking me for wall art. They want to frame these photos and make a, a gallery wall. I mean, that's, that's who I'm looking for. And my price right. reflects that.
0: Well, and I think that's the key is, is what photographers oftentimes need to understand is that people are going to pay what, what you feel you're worth as the photographer, right? So if you are putting lower pricing out there, then that's how they're going to value you too. So it's so important, I think, to have the perspective of what do we feel like our our art is worth? And oftentimes people value themselves too low and it's really sad to me. And I'm like, what is it? I just can't figure out is it lack? what do you think? Like lack of knowledge? Is it limiting beliefs? Is it all of those things? I just, I I can't wrap my head around it sometimes.
1: Lack of confidence. And you know, Uh, I'm kind of a rare situation that I wasn't a mom first. I find that so many people are moms first. Maybe they were a teacher and now they're saying, yeah, Mm -hmm. really? Were you a teacher first? Oh yeah. yeah, That is so funny. I feel like it's like people are teachers for the, the majority of my students. They were a teacher and yeah. then they had kids and mm-hmm. they thought, man, I wish I could capture these moments that are fleeting by. They buy a camera, they toy around with it. And then yeah. this career becomes blossoming. And unfortunately teachers are the most underpaid people in our country. Yeah. So they on from making thirty thousand dollars a year, then they come take a one-on-one with me. I'm setting them up to make eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a year, right. and they have extreme guilt. How can I book three sessions a week and make six figures when I used to teach all day every day and make thirty thousand? It's hard for them to wrap their head around giving themselves this gigantic promotion. But when you leave that school, you leave your job. When you are a photographer your phone rings off the hook nonstop. If yeah. you want to tell me I make nine fifty dollars an hour and say that's more than a brain surgeon, okay, you're right, but that's not only my one hour of shooting time. My phone is always on. I get text at 3 a.m. that says, I love these photos. How do I download them? I mean, right, right. Like we're we're on, we're on nonstop, and there's a lot of investment too. Thirty thousand dollars in a client closet, twenty thousand dollars in camera gear and laptops and software and Iris yeah. and Style and Select and all the little things that are behind the scenes that people don't factor in. They just hear that nine fifty an hour and think. I am an ex teacher how am I now charging more than a brain surgeon and they can't they can't seem to make that shift and wow. I like to shake people and make them yeah. understand how much it really costs to do this profession
0: Oh it does it costs a lot and I think too some of it's just limiting beliefs that we all have and even That's you true. and I as you know as established businesses we'll have times where we we feel limiting beliefs too it's just part of life right Yes, But I I think it's just working through those and understanding your value that's really going to push you through. And I think too, for me, I know when I first started, I was still teaching and then I was growing my photography business on the side. So it was a side hustle. So for some reason for me, since it was a side hustle and not my main job, I felt like I couldn't charge a lot because it wasn't my main thing, if that makes sense. So oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. absolutely.
0: And that was such the wrong mindset because it doesn't matter if it's my side job and I'm editing at 2am versus if it's my normal job and I'm editing at 10am, I'm still putting the same amount of time in. So that was such a twisted like thought in my mind. And I always am telling people, it doesn't matter if it's your side hustle, it's still your time, Your, your time.
1: That's why I charged so low in Beverly Hills. It wasn't my full-time gig. I had a salon in Beverly Hills. I did hair and makeup and this was a side hustle. This was a random thing I got into. I I bought a nice camera because I was loving traveling and me and my husband were going to all these gorgeous islands all over the world. And I wanted to take pretty photos. And next thing I know an event planner tells who was a client of mine that I do her hair says, you should come and shoot weddings for me. And I just kind of like fell into this on the side and I never felt worthy to charge. So I I totally resonate with that.
0: I mean, and I, we could talk about price. We could do a whole episode on pricing, but I think the moral of it is, you know, knowing your worth, right. And then charging, what would you say about charging? I love what you said before, you know, they see it as an experience and investment versus just like Paying a little bit, right? So I don't really care. Do you exactly? And and attracting attracting the clients that you want, and
1: also like knowing your books, knowing your calendar. Mm -hmm. I see people who announce on January second they're booked for 2022, and I'm thinking, well, you are charging way too low, my friend. If if we start off the new year and you're booked my God, like you should quadruple your pricing. Then. <laughs> like, you exactly. know, I'm not speaking to the photographer who's booking one session a month and is struggling. I'm not telling them to go to two to six. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that every photographer should be at a $900 price point. That's not right. what I'm saying, but right. if you are booked solid. If you have a waiting list, if you are turning people away and sending them to your competition, you've got to really look at your self in the mirror and say, I am worthy and I need to make a change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think people get worried that if they raise their prices, then they aren't going to get the inquiries. But in my experience, it's, it's the opposite. You know, you tell people the value of what you offer and as they see something at a higher price point, if they really are your ideal client who sees it as art and investment, they're going to be willing to pay it. Right. I
1: mean, absolutely. There are so many people in this world. I've never slowed down. I mean, Every time I raise from two to four, four to six, six to eight, now to nine fifty, I'm still I'm booked. I mean, it's it's like where where do you draw the line almost? Because I've never ever had a lull when I increase my pricing, and and people who who think that their town will hold them back, I have people flying in from all over now. I mean, this is wild to me. I never thought I'd be teaching students overseas. I never thought I would have someone fly in from Alaska for me to shoot their family. I mean, that's insane. Like yeah. it, it can happen. I mean, I am from a tiny, tiny town in South Carolina. I didn't come from money. I did don't have a college education. I mean, I'm not someone who's here to brag. I'm here to inspire. Oh my God, if I could do it,
0: anybody can. Right. And I think that's so important for people to see. And I love that you're sharing that because it's just real. And it's just the reality and encouraging others that their success is inevitable. They just need to put the work in and, and do the things right. So, okay, let's shift a little bit into editing now. So what are your must haves when it comes to editing? Cause I know people oftentimes feel like editing is the, End all, be all, I found. In my opinion, it's an enhancement and it's helping you tell the story or painting the pictures that you're wanting to, but it's not it's not everything, right? So yeah. but can you talk about like your your kind of must-haves and then how I know you're passionate about getting it right in the camera as well. Yeah. So can you chat about that? Took the words out of my
1: mouth. I mean, getting that right in camera is everything. I mean, making sure that you have good gear, good glass. I'm a big advocate of having good glass lenses. And I think a lot of people will, you know, even at one-on-one mentorships will come and have the exact same camera and stand side by side to me, but maybe have a different lens. They have a, a plastic fantastic, the mm-hmm. good old 50 millimeter that everybody has. It's $200. There's right. a different difference in investing in glass. So I, I think having good gear is, is the number one. That's your base. My, I can't live without my Wacom tablet. I am a huge advocate. They need to sponsor me for how many people I've made by it. What is but, it called? Cause I don't have it. What is it called? The Wacom tablet. Someone said I using yeah. a mouse using like a pen, a Wacom pen. I yes, love yes. my tablet. It was so frustrating getting used to it, but I just made myself use it as my mouse for the first week. I would not let myself touch my mouse. And it's just, it's pressure uh, sensitive, the tip of the pen. And I think it gives such precision in editing. That's something I can't live without. And then I'm just not someone who can sit still. So I have a desktop. It's normally what I use for Zoom mentorship. And for when I do one-on-ones and we edit together, I use my desktop, but I'm a laptop girl. I cannot live without my MacBook Pro. Again, having good gear, investing in a very nice laptop that is going to be fast and not make you get frustrated waiting and having the circle of death as you're waiting for things to load. (laughs) So I'm a Lightroom and a Photoshop girl. I'm trying to stick with these young kids who all the new young... uh, uh, photographers in their, you know, early twenties are really anti Photoshop and doing everything in Lightroom. So I don't want to age myself, and I've been really trying to just do as much as possible in Lightroom now and not not go to Photoshop as much. For my newborns, I find that I really have to for baby acne and and skin issues, blotchiness. I just can't. I don't have the control in Lightroom that I do in Photoshop for something like that. But I am trying to do more Lightroom only and a little more raw. I used to be very meticulous and OCD with every single thing being perfect. And I'm trying to let that go a little bit in my editing and find a little more of a raw approach.
0: And a little more of a balance of it not looking so so perfect in every way, right?
1: Yep, um, and I, that's that's hard for me because I am very OCD. I need yeah. things
0: to look perfect. But hey, you know what? You're taking steps, so that's good. Yeah, uh, I use photo. I'm a Lightroom and Photoshop person too, and I I know that a lot of people do so many things in Lightroom that I could probably do instead of doing Photoshop. But I think for me, it's just what works, and that's what I think everyone has to do, right? Yeah. do what works best for them and what helps them get the results that they're hoping for. But I will look into that tablet because I haven't heard of that. And that's interesting to me. So I uh, oh, yeah, love it. And yeah.
1: I think that that's why I created my own brushes. So I don't sell my presets. I bounce back and forth between a million different ones. Mm-hmm. But I really, I created my own Lightroom brushes. I sell them on my website. Shameless plug. Oh, cool. You know, when I created my brushes for Lightroom, I really sat down and said, What are the things that I am going to Photoshop and looking for? What am I going to Photoshop and doing? And I created my brushes to keep me in Lightroom and keep me from going into Photoshop, trying to see, okay, if this is what I'm doing in in Photoshop, what really is that? Okay, that's just really desaturating or that's just really, you know, making mats. One of my favorite brushes is my matte skin brush. Well, really all that is, is lowering clarity, lowering texture. So I just really got in there and played with my sliders in Lightroom because I was so, I wanted to speed things up, especially knowing a baby's coming. I have all the time in the world to sit in my bed all day and edit, but when a baby's here, it's going to be very different. I'm not going to be able to bring every single photo and spend an hour on it anymore. So I tried to find a way to speed things up for myself. And then I'm selling them to try to help other moms like make this a faster process and also help us make more money hourly. If we're really breaking it down and spending nine hours editing a session, our hourly rate is going down tremendously. So trying to get faster turnarounds and make more of our time.
0: Yeah, no. And we'll put a link. I'll put a link to your brushes. If you send it to me, I'll put it in the show notes because anything that we can do to create art that we love and is beautiful, but also save us time because time is money, you know, and, and that's just part of it is if you go spend eight hours editing versus two, you're making less money because you're spending more time. Right. So, um, I think we all tend to be perfectionists to some degree, but oftentimes our things that we worry about our clients won't even notice. Right. So we just have to be about the balance. Yes. Yes. Find the balance. Perfect. Okay. Let's go into location. So I know oftentimes people always, the question is like, how do you guys find your locations? And I know you mentioned, you touched on it earlier about people feeling limited to where they live. And you know, people will say to me, like you live in California, It's you have so many rolling hills and all of these things. And, but for you and people probably say you live by the ocean. What are your thoughts about People feeling limited. I'll never
1: forget this time. I hit up one of my friends. She lives in Idaho. And I said, I am so jealous of this location, this dirt and these hills. This is so gorgeous. I'm so jealous. I don't have anything like this. And she said, Jordan, this is literally behind a jail. It's just a big pile of dirt. Somebody dumped out before they're <laughs> going to start building their house. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, this is like a, a empty lot with the dirt pile. And I was like, wow, look at this magical dirt hill. I mean, I loved it. And she thought it was hysterical. I mean, it's, it's always the grass is always greener. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. always want what they can't have. Everybody in the Midwest wants to shoot in the ocean. I'm flying to Kansas for my maternity session because I love the open fields. So right. it's always how it is. And for me, it was very hard living in California for 10 years. I'm not a sunrise person. And I love sunset, and I was so used to having fields of gold and, and California and hills right. and mountains. And then I moved to Florida, where a flat beach and it's direct light on the on the ocean side at sunset. So I had to really dig deep and try to find little coves where I could shoot in the water, but also get the sunset. You know, west facing and not being on the east coast. And it was very hard for me. But you can find the most beauty and the Mundane in a dirt hill behind a jailhouse.
0: Okay. <laughs> so yes, I, I, I love did. that. And and I think that the message there too is like trying to find beauty in the unexpected. And oftentimes you, as the viewer, you had no idea, right? And so right. I think we think we have to have this big, grandiose location when in reality you can manipulate something so simple to be what you're wanting, right? Because you're only seeing what's in the frame. Absolutely. Some of my
1: favorite photos are like a chair by a window. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, is this a studio you rented? No, this was just in somebody's house. It was just this old chair their grandma had and this one little window pocket of light. I mean, any little thing, it's more about the emotion. And I'm trying in my work to strip away this over the top glam and let's bring it down. I don't really want to shoot a location. There's this gorgeous waterfall place in Southern uh, Florida. And I did a session there one time and everybody talked about the waterfall. Where is this? Where is this waterfall? And I thought, nobody even looked at the mom. There is a beautiful mama here. And I took it off my Instagram because I was getting nonstop inquiries for the waterfall. And I thought, no, no, that's not what this is about here. We want the mama to stand out, not the location. So I think that sometimes when it's all about the mountains or all about the waterfall, it can take away from the motherhood and the emotion. I'm not really here to be Nat Geo photographer. (laughs) I want to, hone into the sweetness and the rawness of motherhood. So I think that having epic locations is very overrated. Find a dirt hill behind a (laughs)
0: jailhouse. For real. Well, and I think too, it, it helps photographers who are feeling this limitation of like knowing, oh my gosh, I can create beautiful art no matter where I live, right? It's just... And it's so true. The, the over the top stuff I feel like is kind of phasing out as well. So I think that's a good thing. And we're going to touch on that later. Okay. So really quick posing, because I know that you're really great at getting your clients to feel relaxed and be themselves. So can you just go through, like, if you guide them, how do you guide and direct them in a way to get those beautiful candid images?
1: Yes. People always say, Oh, I want to be unposed. I want to capture candids. but You have to feel out the personality of a family. I've taken families down to the beach and they just go right into the water, have a water fight, have a sand fight, have the time of their life. And I get some of my favorite images ever. Then there's other times where people just stand on the sand and look at me and say, what do you want us to do? So you kind of have to ask yourself, who am I photographing and how do they feel comfortable? I never want anyone to leave a session and say, God, that was so awkward. I felt like she didn't help us and she just expected us to find our own way. So I, I have to judge every session off of the body language and the energy of the session. Even though I'm a photographer and know every post under the book, when I am in front of a camera, it's like, please help me like don't oh leave, totally don't leave me here stranded I forget my own rules like don't let me have a double chin like help me you know so I I, I also feel my nature is I'm very outgoing and uh, a little bossy so I don't find it awkward to tell someone turn your head this way give me more shoulder look here look there but right. I also don't want this to feel like it's too orchestrated and it feels unnatural also. I'm not going to have mom and dad making out in this steamy session if that's not really like their jam and that's not how they vibe. So I do love to say little prompts, but not too much that it feels rushed either. In my mind, I never have a shot list ever. I'm never thinking like, okay, and now this pose is next. And now we have to do this. That is so rushed. And you will never get those little tiny in-between moments. If in your mind, you are sitting here with a pose shot list, that's just not going to happen. So I love to say little things to mamas, like play with your baby's hair, rock with your baby. newborn sessions, telling people to smell on their baby and close their eyes, take this moment in. I'll say little things like that. And then I'll little, little things for a flattering position, you know, helping moms with their chin or their shoulders or arching, but I'm never going through that shot list. I'm not one of those people who like you toss the blanket up and run underneath it. Like, that's just not me. Nothing wrong with that. That's just not what I'm looking for.
0: Right. And I think that's the great thing about it too, is that each of us is going to have our own approach and all of it's great, right? Whatever people feel like doing that helps them create the art that they love. That's what, what is great, but I love that you're sharing like what works best for you. And, and the, so much of what you said is how I am. And I think one of the things that people will say is like, how do you capture these moments like in the perfect setting? And I try to explain that oftentimes it's part of our job to set the scene, right? So whether that be in for you, it's probably the same. Like you're not taking, you're taking them to a beach that, you know, you can get beautiful photos at, right? Like you're not taking them to someplace random. Like it's, we want to set them up in a great location so that we can let those natural moments occur and create the beauty that we're wanting. Right. Like yes. I, I tell them like, it's your job to set the scene, right? Like make them feel comfortable first of all, but then also put them in a spot in relation to the light or something that is favorable that you can then create beautiful images by just letting them be.
1: It's okay to be a hybrid photographer too. Like I find that I pose more in the first 30 minutes and I pose way less in the last 30 because I want you to warm up to me and I want you to feel comfortable. And I want to kind of like, let you know how this is going to go. And then at the very end, when I feel like, okay, I know I got the bulk of my session. I know I have a gallery here that's beautiful and I'm going to give to my client. Now I can kind of say, you guys, we've, we've taken so many, like, I want you guys just to be you. Why don't you just play in the water? Why don't you have a water fight? Like that's toward the end is when I let them be them more. And in the beginning, I'm a little more directing them.
0: Totally. Because you want to get the shots that, you know, they want a couple like of people looking at the camera, like the Christmas card photo, right? Like everyone wants at least one of those and, and just having them be more, doing more of the emotional stuff. And then I love at the end too, to do the same. And then what I've noticed too, is it allows me to just try something new, be creative, do something I haven't done in a while, whether that's a tilt shift or something else, just trying me trying things artistically. And if they work out great, and if they don't, that's okay too. But I know yeah. that they're just being them. And I I have that space to try something, right? I know. Uh, controversial moment. I don't do any Christmas card
1: shoots, so at my session, I don't have one photo I give back of everybody looking at the camera and smiling at That's me. That's okay. I don't. Just, I, just I don't do it. I, and people will always say, like, they'll keep looking at me, and I'll say, "Listen, you're going to look anywhere but me today. I want you to. When you look at me, that tells me you're posing for this camera. That's not right, what we're right. here to do. I want you to look at your babies. I want you to look at each other. You can look anywhere, but don't look at me." So I, I oh, do. No, I that.
0: love. I love love that. No. And that's great. But you know what I do find, even if I do do the ones where everyone's looking like a handful of them, those are usually the ones they do not choose. They end up choosing the more kind of just the candid ones where they are looking at the kids or at each other or something, because that's really what they connect with the most. Right. So I think people go into it thinking they want a few of those. And then after they're like, Oh, I could have done without that. Right. Okay. Let's shift really quick. Only two more questions. So Social media. So I know you, you have some um, feelings about this, but what are some tips for photographers on how they can attract their ideal client? Because we've talked so much about putting it on your specialty and then the pricing. And we talked about ideal client in that. And then also editing that relates to your ideal client. So what are some tips that you can think of for how they can attract their ideal client.
1: I break a lot of social media rules. Carousels get more likes and more views. I've never done a carousel reels are the thing that Instagram's pushing so hard, trying to make this platform TikTok. I did reels until they switched and said you had to, and now I'm a rebel and I'll never make a reel. So I'm just that type of person that I don't want to be told what I have to do on a platform. I want to do what feels true to me. And I know that if If someone asked me, Jordan, I have no followers. How can I get seen? Like, yes, making reels or carousels might help you. But at the same time, I've broken every rule there is. And I grew my Instagram account very quickly. I didn't even have an Instagram account seven years ago. And I have almost 10,000 followers. And what I think I've been posting for two years now. And I really just think that you have to do what feels true to you. There's times where I don't post, I didn't post for like three months in my first trimester. I was too sick, too uninspired. I was it was the last thing on my priority list. And people say, oh, when you post again, you're going to have zero comments. It didn't affect my reach at all. I no. never did a reel since Instagram said they're no longer a video, uh, a photo sharing platform, that they are now going to focus on video. I, I never did one since they made that announcement. It didn't affect me. I didn't stop growing. I think no. that we have to not let these platforms have these uh, pressures on us and scare tactics and stay true to who we are and what feels natural to us. I love posting my favorite image, the one image from a session that made me feel something that was the showstopper to me that gave me all of my feels. Okay. So that's the one I share and it sets me apart. I don't know any photographer who doesn't do at least carousels. And so maybe I'm just a rebel, but I, I think that not holding yourself to all the rules, but at the same time, there are things that I've done that have helped me with my reach. I make sure that I always tag feature accounts and I even tag like local accounts. I'm yeah. in uh, Palm Beach County. So I make sure whenever I post a family photo, I ta- I always tag Palm Beach County moms. And I use those mm-hmm. hashtags of hashtag Boynton Beach family photographer, hashtag Boynton Beach maternity photographer. I think using your city and then your genre is huge. And doing things that won't get you shadow banned is very important. Using the same hashtags over and over and over again, you will be shadow banned. Instagram will not share and you won't go to the top of your uh, hashtag search. And I booked 99% of my clients from hashtags. There's things I, I won't do to sacrifice. I'm not going to do the same hashtags over and over and not be viewed because
0: that's how people find me. Yeah. That's interesting. That's I'm glad. And I'm so glad you shared that because I haven't had many people tell me they have a, like a strong, like feeling about hashtags and, and that it works. So that's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. So really quick, because the people might follow up with that. So when you do the hashtags, are you just kind of rotating them through different ones, each post? How often do you <laughs> are you always mixing them up? How are you doing that?
1: Yes, I have a ton of lists. So I have a list of hashtags that I use when it's a maternity post. I wow. have a list of hashtags I use when it's a newborn post and a family post. So I will always go to those and then I mix up one. So because I'm an educator, I want photographers to find me and book mentorships with me and buy my brushes. So mm-hmm. I use I use hashtags that are geared toward photographers some days. And then mm-hmm. other days I use hashtags that are geared toward Palm Beach County moms, South Florida mamas, Miami moms, because I want to still get bookings as well. So I try to switch back and forth between getting more students, getting more clients, because yeah. that way I can uh, switch it up. And also, you have to use hashtags that are relevant to your photos. Instagram is so strict on this. Now, if you post a beach photo and say hashtag Grand Canyon, Instagram will shadow ban you for that. That's my background. I had a blog for nine years and, and, I did a travel blog and I have 30,000 followers on my travel blog page. And right, I right. got it through using hashtags and knowing some of these tips and tips and tricks. And yeah. Instagram isn't the end all be all. I think it's important to also have a very strong website that way in case Instagram did go away, you would, you know, have something else as well and having a, a pretty web flow. And mm-hmm. I think that's important as well, but right now that's how the clients are finding me and the right clients are finding me. I spent a lot of time on Facebook and unfortunately the Facebook moms were a little more, I'll say it a little more dated, a little more not into the current trends. And I am uh, more of a fashion forward and, and trendy photographer. I, I like that. I like staying current and I want to find those current moms who will see the value in my artistry and pay me for that. So I think that staying current is important.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. That was awesome. Because I think I think what you just shared is a little different than the message that so many photographers are hearing right now, which is you need to do reels. you You have to post every day. You have to do this. You have to do that. And I think what you said is what I pulled from that is so many things. But what I also resonate with so much is that Each of us have to do what's right for us in the season that we're in right now. So for you, when you weren't feeling well with your pregnancy, you weren't posting and that's fine. If you're feeling super, someone's feeling super inspired and they want to post every day, that's fine too. If you want to post three times a week, that's fine. Right. We like each of us needs to shed this pressure of all of these rules and expectations and enjoy being social on social media. Like, Because I think when we have all these pressures on ourselves, if that photographer posts this many times, this photographer does this, it takes away the joy out of it. And then it's more of a, of a chore. Cause guess what? When I have, when I feel like something's a chore, I'm not going to do it. It's just, I'm going to be over it. I'm going to not care about it. I don't want to spend my time doing it, but if I can flip the switch and approach it with more of like a, a service-based and joy that it's just, I enjoy doing this, then I'm going to be more consistent but Absolutely. I mean, it's so hard. It's hard. I ebb and flow just like everybody else. Yes. Wow. I don't put pressure on
1: myself that I have to post on certain days. I, I would say right now, I probably post three times a
0: month <laughs> and, <laughs> and but you know, books. you're busy. Right. And that's what I think people, people court, sorry, I didn't interrupt you, but people oh. correlate like it, activeness on social media to bookings. And it, It's not like yes, maybe that person who's very active is booked, but there's also tons of people that aren't active that are still booked, right? So absolutely. It gets me sorry, I get fired up about this because no, I do too. I feel (laughs) like like too many all band together and nobody do a reel. (laughs) Oh my god, like The, the funny thing is, is I so I have done some reels and I I enjoy them, but I'll only do them on like certain days that I feel like, oh, that's fun to do today, but I'm not making myself do them. Does that do you see the difference? Absolutely.
1: Are moms, like there's little ones watching us. I think it's really important if you're being a photographer because you wanted to stay home and be with your children more. And now you're scrolling, comparing yourself for hours and hours all day, looking at these other artists and and even the copying and everything starting to look the same. Like, I think it's important to say, like, I'm gonna put my phone down. Like I posted once this week. Now I'm gonna be done. I'm gonna enjoy my time. I'm gonna go outside. I'm gonna feel my Feet on the ground. I'm gonna play with my babies. Like we have little eyes watching us, and I think that obsessing on a phone all day, we're missing life. It's it's important to put this down and not let this run our life, and and not let the pressures of nonstop posting. I never scroll, and it's sad, but. It's just upsetting to scroll and see 10,000 reels of things I don't even care about. And then it's really draining to me because it's like, oh, I'm seeing all these things that are uninspiring. So I've had to really just step away from it right now while we are in this, you know, real phase. And it's going to phase out. I I know that. But I think that even the nonstop scrolling, it's like you don't want to fill your head with other artist ideas. You never are going to be a leader if all you do is follow and read recreate, even the the save button on Instagram, it's great. And it's bad. Like I, I I did a post and it was saved like 600 times. And in my mind, it's like, maybe that's good because it helped my reach. But then I'm thinking, why did 600 people save this? Is it because they wanted to go out and recreate this? Like, or, and I think it's okay to be inspired, but it's also really important that we find inspiration from nature, from our family, from love, not from everyone else. If we continue to copy and recreate, this is going to be a very
0: boring platform. Yes. Thank you. I feel the same way. And did you see that one um, really quick? And then we have one more question, but did you see Ace Fanning, I think is his name? There was a reel going around. You probably didn't cause you're not scrolling, but it was really funny because he was mocking the real situation. And he was kind of like, like what happened to creating beautiful art? Like, where yeah. is that gone? And now we're just popping people with these weird sounds. And then at the end he was like, now go make some reels. You, you know, he used to cut a couple swear words, but it was really funny. And I just laughed at it. Cause I'm like, that's so how I feel like now we're, we're going away from sharing beautiful art. And we're going to do reels and I'm just, I'm not sure. I'm still kind of navigating how I feel about all of it, but I think there's a place for both. And I think my, what I really want people to get from this is first of all, your value is not determined by your social media following. I'm so passionate about that. And I know you are too. And then just like you said, like be creative on your own. It's really hard to be creative and have that creative space in your mind when all you're doing is consume, consume, consume. Right?
1: Yes. It, um, it's important not to consume too much. And there are people who are are photographers, and they're also comedians. They are hilarious. They make very totally. funny and witty reels. And it's it's this isn't really like an anti bash reel, but I mean, oh, not at all. Like said, there are photographers that are making reels about how much they hate reels, and that doesn't really make sense to me either. Like, don't if you if you hate it, don't do it.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. I, I just feel like everyone has to do what works for them. And yeah. I, so many of them are entertaining. And I, my thing is I wish they could, I wish it could coexist. I wish the reels could just be fun and entertaining. And then the posts would still be happening and be just as valuable. Right. I feel like I wish Instagram wasn't pushing one over the other. I wish we could just have all of it and, and just be able to consume what lights us up. Right. But yeah,
1: I think the, I think when it became personal was to photographers because we're, we're like, wait, so all of our hard work and making these beautiful photos, that's going to get pushed to the bottom to see people like creating like iPhone videos and like content creators. Like it almost made it us feel undervalued for creating our foot, our photography and our art. Like we don't want that to sound like that isn't valuable anymore. That isn't worth being seen. That's yeah. hard. when you could make a, of a, a reel in two seconds on your phone with a video, and then it's like, well, wait, I edited this photo for two hours last night and it didn't get seen, but I'm actually finding that a ton of reels aren't going viral anymore. And I, I see people's photos on their Instagram that have twice as many likes as the reels. So yeah. I just, It's, it's going to start phasing out. I think that if you want to be funny and and create cool, you know, videos, it's go to TikTok.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we have, there's space for it all. So before we wrap up, I, I this initially wasn't like something we were going to chat about, but, um, I was inspired by your post you shared this morning and you had shared an image from simply blessings photography. And she, I think it's a quote from Encanto where she said, I'm so sick of pretty. I want something true. Don't you? And I'm going to read what you said because I love it and resonate with it so much. And then we'll chat about it. So you had said, I feel this caption in my bones. People are often shocked that I don't recommend." pro hair and makeup for my sessions and that I beg clients not to paint their nails. It's because I'm after something so raw. I don't want to capture perfectly hair sprayed curls and giant fake lashes. It's starting to feel so dated. I want to capture the love between you and your baby in such a real and honest way. I want to capture your soul, your bare feet, your wild hair, and show you the beauty and your truth, your story, and even your pain. And I resonated with that so, so much, but can you just share a little bit about This, why did you feel you wanted to post this?
1: Yes. My friend, Emily, she's so amazing. I think I truly think she's an artist of our generation and I love everything that she says and does. And I felt that so much. I, I get asked, Oh, who should do my hair? Who should do my makeup? I don't want anybody coming to their session with these giant fake lashes and red lips. If that's not true to them, I want yeah. them to look at the photo and feel like them. And again, going back to my childhood, seeing these perfectly posed photos at the JCPenney photo shoot with like, I, I just want to feel something that feels true. I want to capture something that feels true is what she said. Yeah. And the truth is what we are all we have all these filters and now you can have you know the the botox and the filler and, and the perfect instagram filter and we're all guilty of you know indulging in these things but i think that it's almost become too much that now we're almost craving like something more natural like mm-hmm. where is the beauty in aging gracefully where is the beauty in how we actually look it's almost going a, a little too far. I saw a girl, she made a a video about her half of her face was in a filter and the other half wasn't. She's a young girl. and, And I'm thinking, God, I'm so happy I didn't have this when I was a child. And I think that because it's gone so far with the artificial, that our human nature is craving something more raw and real. And I don't want everything to look so overly polished. I'm inspired by a mom with her natural hair and her natural makeup. not saying you don't have to wear any, but just not so over the top. It's almost like that, that clownish look of these giant fake lips and even the Instagram filters. It's like, you can't even find one that doesn't plump your lips anymore. It drives me insane. (laughs) Like, why does everybody have to have a clown lip now? Like back to our younger generation, like we have to be careful of what we're really doing and, and, and setting an example that how you were born and how you look naturally is beautiful. Everything doesn't have to be blurred and massive lashes. And you are beautiful in your most raw when you're fresh out of the shower. Like I just, I, I just really find myself. I think that's why I haven't been sharing a lot on Instagram too, is it's like, I really want to just start capturing
0: more raw. Yeah, no. And I love that. And, and what I love about our industry too, is that there's space for all of it, right? Like there's space for people to get really done up and be over the top if that's what they want. Right. And there's space for the raw and the real. And I think that each of us has our own something we're craving. And for you right now, you're craving that real raw moment that I think so many of us are. And I think for me, like, I don't know, we chat about this before, but I want my clients to show up however they feel the most confident. Yes. And my hope for all of us is that we are confident in our own skin, how we are. But if they want to have their makeup done or something like that, then, and that helps them feel great about themselves, then then great. But yes. I think that our society as a whole, the message is always, you are not pretty enough. You are yeah. not yeah. good enough. You need to look like this celebrity to, to be beautiful. And I think that's the message that our, our youth get. And that, and my 12 year old daughter, I'm terrified. She doesn't have social media at all. And there's a reason for that. There's that underlying message of, of us just not being beautiful how we are. And it's such a disservice and it just breaks my heart because it contributes to so many issues, right? Insecurities and all of that. So the ability to show up to a session and just be raw and be yourself with your kids, like those are the images that are going to mean something generations later that you're not going to look back on and be like what was the fad what was the style there I'm not getting it right? <laughs> yes, yes. And the photo that I
1: shared of Emily's was a family in a living room and it's not a glamorous living room with 20 foot ceilings and perfectly decorated. It's like a old 70s couch and the kids are in míchmac Underwear and they're oh. it around, and I just feel like somebody who's about to embark on this motherhood journey. If I saw that photo in fifty years, that would be so much more powerful than seeing me and my entire family all in white, smiling at the camera at, at, on a perfect setting like wow. that. Isn't real? That doesn't take you back. Isn't the whole point of photography is to capture this moment in time? Everybody being in a perfect suit and and having their fake smile on when they just got yelled at, you better look at that camera or no candy. (laughs) Like that's what we're remembering is fighting and the husband being pissed off that he had to wear this perfect shirt that he never wears. That's yes. not real. That's no. like putting on. And 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 I just want something to bring us back, bring, bring a family back to the nostalgia of their own living room or what they actually looked like. I had a girl who told me, oh, does my hair look okay? I curled it. I never curl my hair. Well, that made me so sad. Like, well, why is your hair curly in this photo if your hair has never been, never been curled? <laughs> you know, like it's just... I think we're just craving something real going back to our roots, going back to mother
0: earth. Well, and I think, I think just like anything for a little bit, this is ebbs and flows of society too, right? It's like for a little bit, that's the thing. Everyone's loving it, loving it. And then I think people get to a turning point where they're just like exhausted from it. Yes. Right. It's exhausting to, to be something you're not. It's exhausting to have to feel like you need to be something you're not. And And for me, it's like, I don't want to feel that way. I want to feel inspired. And I feel more inspired when I can tell my clients are more comfortable in their own skin. It's inspiring to me because that shows in the photos, you know, if they're feeling insecure or they're dressed how they don't normally dress and they're fidgeting with it the whole time, or they feel awkward because they have all this makeup, whatever. It's like, that's going to show. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. I feel a shift in our industry and in our world that we're wanting to go away from the artificial, even in everything, even in diet and things you see in a grocery store. Like, you know, people are trying to get away, like no GMO, no artificial, like we're trying to go back to raw in more ways than photography in the food we eat and the way that we treat people. Like we just want to have these real raw relationships. And, and I I think that, people are trying to go away from the put on and, and a little more soul bearing. I think it's great.
0: Yeah, I do too. Well, thank you so much for chatting. And I, I appreciate you letting me throw that in there. Cause I just feel like it was the perfect thing to end on of encouraging people that are listening to just work on being comfortable in our own skin. And I, I work on myself all the time. It's a constant, constant, thing that we all need to just do the work, right. To bash those limiting beliefs, to have confidence in ourselves and in our business and being, and I think as we do that, when we show our true selves, we'll start attracting the right kind of clients because they're going to connect with us in that way.
1: Yes, absolutely. So
0: thank you so much for joining me today. This was amazing. How can people find you?
1: Uh, they can find me on Instagram at Jordan Brennan photography. That's the best way. And they can see me post
0: three times a month. (laughs) I love it, girl. Okay, well, enjoy the rest of your day. So much, Jillian. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for being here. Okay, bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Fill Your Frame podcast with me, your host, Jillian Golding. Remember, you can always learn more about this podcast and what we talk about by visiting the description notes on whatever app you're listening to today or visiting fillyourframepodcast.com for more information. Um, You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Audible. And if you've enjoyed the show today, please leave a review. It helps more people like you find my podcast. And you can also find me on Instagram at fillyourframe underscore podcast and Jillian Golding. We'll chat next time, bye-bye.